0: Does the West want in? Does the West want out? Is Western Canada a vital part of the Federation? A a forgotten child left off to the the side. That's been an ongoing debate for many years now. Hello, I'm Brian Lilly, your host for the Full Comment Podcast. And before we get to our next guest, who will be able to answer a lot of this and, and take us in a deep conversation, I want to remind you to please subscribe to full comment, whether it's on Apple Music, on Google, on um, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, make sure you hit the subscribe button and leave a comment. It always helps us out. So back to Western Canada and its place within Canada's confederation. Scott Moe is someone who's been intimately involved in politics in that province for a long time. He's been premier now for... What is it, Premier? Mo? Is it five years, six years? You're coming yeah, up on five. Five years uh, this past January. Five years this past January. I uh, I want to get your thoughts on where Western Canada fits, specifically Saskatchewan. But how did you get involved in politics? Well, for, for me
1: specifically, how I got involved in politics was I I really started volunteering with uh, you know a number of uh, community um, sports, uh, sports, uh, areas where my kids were involved. And it very soon grew to be beyond just the community I lived into, uh, you know, volunteering more at a regional level. And, and, uh, it wasn't too long before I, I felt I wanted to do a, a little bit more and actually advance, uh, to the, to the provincial level. And so then I, I ran in a nomination and, and uh, and ultimately in an election became an MLA in 2011. And, uh, Kind of slowly progressed, I guess, into cabinet and and ultimately to this position.
0: A fairly quick ascension from uh, an MLA in 2011 to, to Premier in 2018. So, so well done. Were you in agriculture like so many in Saskatchewan before that or were you – yeah, I spent some time in the ag
1: industry uh, as well as in uh, private retail businesses. Uh, a few that myself and my wife, uh, my wife also had. We both were raised in a you know typical small town uh, Saskatchewan, a town of about fifteen hundred, with a neighboring uh, community of about forty thousand, and then ultimately Saskatoon, a, a little further away at a uh, you know close to three hundred thousand. And so you know very typical upbringing in the in the province of Saskatchewan. Always, I think, interested in, whether you knew it or not, uh, you're you're interested in politics uh, growing up for me. Unfortunately, in our province, we had, uh, you know, many of my friends, they, they moved west, right? And they, the saying was, uh, you go west, young man. And and, and I did uh, for a couple of years uh, as well. I was fortunate to return to the community where I was raised to raise our children. And, uh, and you know, it's never lost on me uh, how, how fortunate both my wife and I were. Uh, one to be raised uh, there and to uh, ultimately to have the opportunity to raise our children there. And that is what drives me. And, and what I do each and every day is to, you know, provide that opportunity for the, the, the children that are, are here today and coming uh, tomorrow, give them the opportunity to actually choose to stay in the province of Saskatchewan, as opposed to have, uh, you know, a generation behind them telling them to go West, go West.
0: Well, you, you know, how many, uh, Connections I have to Saskatchewan and working with people, helping start a news network with people from there, uh, and so many were were there. I remember speaking to one of our our camera ops, camera techs, uh, who was based in Calgary, and he was also originally from uh, Saskatchewan. I forget where exactly, but he said his local Canadian Tire in Calgary sold more riders' gear than uh, th- than they did for the um, the Stampeders that's how m- many people used to go west and and it's turned around but uh, well you could go to a hometown game in uh at uh
1: in in calgary you could go to a hometown uh cfl riders game there generally and still
0: can today so there was a a famous cartoon published about 100 years ago called the milk cow i know you're familiar with it but for people who haven't seen it it's uh a a drawing of a a cow being fed and eating in Western Canada uh, and all the, all the works being done in Western Canada, getting the the feed to the cow, but it's being milked in the East. And it was an expression of Western alienation in 1915. I mean, that's 10 years after your province uh, became a province and became part of confederation. And, And that was the sentiment there. It's still, I think, when I visit, whether it's uh, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, or Alberta, lesser degree, British Columbia, that sentiment is, is still there, and it ebbs and flows. Where is it at right now? A um, little while ago, we were talking about Wexit. I don't hear about that as much. Um, people that uh, had been in the, the federal government helped form a party to run federally called Maverick to say they wanted out, kind of a separatist party. Where are things at, in, in your sense, where you sit? Yeah, I think there's, there's two levels to this. And the
1: first is, you, you know, is, uh first of all the cartoon is very relevant today and I think it expresses uh the frustration that many in Saskatchewan Alberta and in other areas of western Canada have as well um a little over 100 years old and and odd that it's still relevant and unfortunate I would say that it's still relevant because it doesn't need to be and I I think many will uh you know look at that cartoon of that cow eating in 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 the uh in the western uh, part of our nation and and then the milk being harvested in the in the eastern part of our nation. We'll quickly refer to um, the challenges around equalization, for example, and and how that transfer happens. But I, I would say the um, two things. One is uh, um, when it comes to separation and and people that talk about separating from Canada, and we, we can talk about that a little bit later because often people will lead to uh, Quebec is the 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 the, the province that. Uh, has ultimately had a, a referendum on on separation. Saskatchewan actually looked at it as well back in 1995, and I'll circle around that too, maybe in a little bit. But I don't think that separation solves any of the challenges that people see in in Western Canada, and I don't think it's realistic uh, in and for those folks that are realist realistic in their in their their thoughts about it. Uh, separation doesn't gain us access to ports. Separation uh, doesn't really uh, gain us what. People think it will, and so I, I don't think it's a realistic option. However, there is much frustration that is expressed in in that cartoon, and and I would say that uh, the the next step that people will discuss is is equalization and and the fact that dollars flow uh, often from a place like Alberta to a place like Quebec, and, and the sensitivities around that, and those are real, and and uh, and 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 it's the the the. the you know, I, I, we feel those in, in Saskatchewan as well, being a contributor for the for the last 15 years. But I think it's even deeper than that. Um, what the challenge we have uh, today in this country, and and the the frustration that that. Cartoon signifies is uh, we feel in in Saskatchewan we have a, a growing and vibrant economy and 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 I think the same is true in Alberta and Manitoba and, and likely true in other parts of the nation as well. Our economy in Saskatchewan is based on on the development of our natural resources and then doing what we can to climb that that value chain. Um, we feel a lot of pressure from the federal government, and sometimes I think, in fairness, from from other areas of Canada, in not being able to fully develop uh, those industries which create wealth, which create jobs, which create opportunity for people that live in in Saskatchewan communities. We we need to celebrate um, that as, as Canadians. We need to, you know, celebrate the the investment, for example, of the largest mining company in the world, BHP, making a significant investment in Saskatchewan. Um, it'll be the cleanest. Potash, uh, in this case, that'll be produced anywhere in the world, um, and it'll be putting Saskatchewan people to work. We need to celebrate that across Canada as as all Canadians. In the same way, and here's the the, the trade-off, we in Saskatchewan, I would say, when there's an electric vehicle manufacturing plant that uh, is announced in Ontario, or even a parts manufacturing plant that is announced in Quebec, Um, that's good for the folks in Ontario. It's good for the folks in Quebec. But I would say indirectly, it's also good for the broader Canadian economy and thereby good for for all Canadians. And we need to get back to uh, supporting one another uh, across this nation, being excited for one another when we succeed. Uh, as opposed to, uh, you know, some of the comments uh, that we've maybe been hearing lately, and, and, and quite frankly, uh, some of the comments that I think Christy Clark really uh, yeah. put forward quite succinctly in uh, in, in a recent uh, video that she I, did.
0: Well, I, I want to pause there um, and, and play those comments. A former Liberal Premier of, um, of Quebec, of British Columbia, Christy Clark, was at an investment conference in Vancouver at the end of January, and I'd never heard her speak about um the sense of alienation um that's felt and and so let's play a little clip of that right now
1: my dad used to say um you know thing about canada is is quebec always wants out and alberta always wants in you know british columbia just sits on the sidelines and is sort of happy with where we're at we're not paying that much attention to what goes on on the other side of the rockies I never thought I would see the day when Alberta would go from being passionately Canadian and wanting in, really fighting for a way in, to trying to find a way to get out. And that speaks to, Jay, I think, the in- intense sense of alienation that people in Saskatchewan and Alberta are feeling now.
0: Premier Moshe, you, your former colleague, uh, Premier uh, Clark, she was Talking about this, the sense that what you do, it doesn't get valued in other parts of Canada. And that because that is what people do for a living, they feel like they're not being valued by the country. Is, Is that a, is that a sentiment that you hear a lot as you travel your province? Yes, and it comes out as a frustration, sometimes as
1: anger, Um, but more importantly for all of us to consider, I think it comes out as as really in in many ways dividing our our country, and it, it starts at the very... At the very top, if you, if you go on, and, and I encourage everyone to listen to the full uh, half hour or so that uh, former Premier Christy Clark uh, spoke on there. You know, she talks about what binds us together as Canadians, um, what you know, what are we proud of collectively, uh, as Canadians, and and she talks about the strength of our, our natural resource based economy in the western areas and the strength of our manufacturing uh, economy in places like Ontario and Quebec, and the fact that uh, we need to. I get back to being, uh, you know, proud of one another, binding together as Canadians and being proud of this nation as a whole. And that starts at the federal level. And I, I, uh, I think it's been missing for a period of time uh, here now. And so I uh, credit to uh, former Premier Clark uh, for her comments. And I, I think they're very succinct and I think they very much uh, portray the feeling of, of uh, you know, many people that work in a, in a, in a wealth producing a, a vibrant, uh, natural resource based economy in not only the Western part of our nation, but in many areas of our nation.
0: Yeah. I always love telling the story that I grew up in Hamilton, um, a very much an industrial town, Right. but the, the mustard seed that would be grown in your province would be shipped East to Hamilton, processed at GS Dunn, shipped to France, turned into, uh, high-end margarine or high-end mustard. I wish we, you know, made more of the high-end stuff here, but you know, grown in Sask, processed in Hamilton, and the world's finest Dijon mustard, uh, you know, is the end result. That's a country working together. When you get a big potash announcement like you did with BHP or Alberta gets a new oil sands um, uh, development going, Well, that's more work for the people that make the trucks that are going to be used, the machinery that's going to be used, that sometimes just the trucks that were bought by the the men and women working in the project. That's got to be good. Do do you think that we look at that as Canadians the way that we should? Do you think that, or or do you just think that, you know, us Central Canadian you-know-whats don't think about and value Western Canada? Um,
1: I I I don't know. Um, you know that that's a hard question to answer because I'm not going to preclude what uh, you know other Canadians think or or try to guess as to what other Canadians think. However, um, w- what I do look for is you know how how do we make this relationship and this nation and I would even go so far as to say this continent uh, successful and w- we really need to get away from um, some of our. You know, regionalist, bi- regionalistic uh, biases that we have, and we have them uh, in Saskatchewan. I have them, and I've been at the likely very center of of a number of discussions uh, where they've been, you know, somewhat, uh, somewhat in conflict. I said uh, Saskatchewan's been, and I have been somewhat in conflict of the direction uh, that our federal government has gone on on a number of a number of of, of spaces. But we we need to get back to being uh, Canadians first. Uh, We need to be back, get back to celebrating uh, successes in other parts of Canada. Um, But we also need to get back to a place where we're supporting um, the development of those successes uh, across our nation. And I would even say across our continent, if we don't have uh, our best interests in mind as Canadians and as North Americans, um, someone else has an interest in in the natural resources for example in in North America and and they may not have our our national or our continental best interests in mind uh, by by any stretch and so we need to get back to supporting one another not only in in our successes but in the development of those those successes and understanding what it is that actually drives the the health and wealth of our of our communities across this nation. The natural resources do drive uh, our success in um, attracting investment, creating jobs, um, and then climbing that value chain uh, in in much of the western part of this nation, including the western part of Ontario. Uh, when you get into the manufacturing centor, sector, uh, you know that that is more um, the eastern part of Ontario and moving into Quebec. Uh, again, trading much w- uh, throughout the uh, the United States, uh, in, in that industry as well. And we need to support one another as, as Canadians to be successful ultimately as a nation. And I would say that this starts with federal leadership, um, as, as provinces, as, you know, people living in different parts of Canada, we're always going to have our differences, but I would say, uh, you know, what binds us together, uh, is uh, much larger than what separates us. And we need to focus on, you know, what actually does bind us together and yeah, have a little bit of, uh, as you say, the, the missing key at some, the, the, the feeling is, is that there is at times some respect that is missing for, uh, you know, certain industries that are in their own right are highly successful. I, creating, as I say, creating jobs and and, and wealth uh, for families uh, living in communities across this nation. But, you know, in the case of what we produce in Saskatchewan, uh, we produce the cleanest products that you can find on earth, no matter if it's oil, potash, uranium, agricultural products, whatever it might be, uh, they are among the very cleanest uh, that you can find and purchase on earth. And we always say, if you if you need more oil or if you need more uh, natural gas or uranium or potash or agri-food products, you should actually buy it from Saskatchewan if you care <laughs> at all about the environment because it's cleaner than like products that are produced in Russia, Belarus, uh, or, or any of our competitors, really.
0: Uh, I, I want to ask you more about those industries, because I don't think people realize how uh, diversified your economy is. But um, first, let, let me ask you about, you mentioned leadership, um, federal leadership. I, I've noted you and um, your friend, Ontario Premier Doug Ford, taking turns at being Captain Canada uh, over the last little while. But before I, I leave the alienation part, of it, I want to ask you: Do you do you ever have to manage within your own caucus? Because the Saskatchewan Party, of which your leader is a coalition, it's not a liberal party, it's not a conservative party, it's a free market coalition party. I'm sure you've got some people who start saying, "You know what? We we got to push more."
1: Yeah, no, we have a uh, you know a larger tent, and I would say that most parties that are in uh you know, either in power at the, in government, either at the provincial level, or or maybe even, you know, we've seen likely the federal government as well as has has made their tent larger, um, more to, you know, some would say more to the left of what, where the traditional party, uh, you know, is traditionally, the traditional liberal party has normally sat. Um, But I I think in order to govern, you have to have some compromise within your caucus, uh, as well as with the policy development that you have uh, outside of your caucus. So, sure, we have, uh, you know, those very open discussions in our caucus. I'm thankful we have them as a caucus. Um, and I, I I don't know that other levels of government are, are quite as open with, uh, uh, you know, the discussions that they have uh, in their respective caucuses. But at the, the end of the day, um, yeah, you're going to have differences there. We do. Uh, I'm sure Premier Ford does uh, in his caucus as well as it's, uh, you know, quite large. That's, I, I think, part of, being a healthy government is not uh, having, you know, myself as a leader in Saskatchewan saying this is the way it's going to be, or, or Premier Ford in Ontario saying this is the way it's going to be, uh, you know, it's one person's opinion and and, uh, and and surmising on on the policy position, but actually having that healthy debate and caucus and finding your way, uh, you know, through whatever the topic might be, That that's the same debate we should be having across this nation as to, you, you know, what is in the best interests of, of Canada and not making uh, uh, policy decisions like they have in other areas of the world that are solely focused on on one area of uh, or one 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 topic. For example, you have the European Union that has made uh, policy decisions now for ten or fifteen years solely uh, taking into account um, the the environmental aspect of those policies. They thereby pushed uh, you know their emissions out of their respective national boundaries and as a group, um, I would say all of their, their boundaries, uh, within the EU and in order that energy demand hasn't went away. So they've been purchasing their, their oil, natural gas, and coal from a place like Russia, um, sacrifice their energy security. And, and ultimately, uh, I think have put themselves in a very vulnerable position. We shouldn't go down that same path, uh, here in Canada. And I, I really feel that as long as we are able, and we are at the provincial level in Saskatchewan at least, uh, to have those very frank discussions uh, in the policy development that we have at the caucus and ultimately the cabinet table, uh, that we we will prevent uh, our our area from going down that that cul-de-sac, that deep dark cul-de-sac of sacrificing energy security and ultimately eventually food security. I would hope they're having it at the federal level. I don't know they are.
0: All right. Um, we need to take a, a quick uh, commercial break. When I come back, though, I will ask you about Saskatchewan first and what you are, are doing. Is it, is it a sovereignty act like Alberta's talked about? We'll get to that in a moment here on the full comment podcast. So, what is. Saskatchewan First Premier Scott Moe, are, are is that a a sovereignty act like we've heard from Alberta? Is it a separatist piece of legislation? Is it unconstitutional, as some columnists in the, the Globe and Mail might surmise?
1: Well, first and foremost, I would say, Brian, the the Saskatchewan First Act is a it's a shield. It's it's a shield uh, to to really protect uh, Saskatchewan opportunity for this generation and the next from a. Uh, a sword that is being wielded, uh, generally by by the federal government, and generally using uh, federal environmental policy to circumvent uh, the constitution that we have. In particular, where the constitution allows for and uh, and and gives the power of of natural resource uh, development to the provinces, the the federal government has is moving in on that space using environmental uh, policy. Again, I would refer back to my words about how that has worked in the European Union over the last decade. Decade and a half, um, so that's why uh, we have put together the Saskatchewan First Act, is to shield our opportunity, to shield uh, the ability for the province to, uh, you know, grow our, our natural, our natural resource investment, and ultimately to grow the jobs and population, and um, and the and the growth and follow the growth agenda that we have uh, here in this province. It's not a separatist uh, piece of legislation by any stretch. Um, actually and it is entirely constitutional. As a matter of fact, what the Saskatchewan First Act does is uh, two things. One, it will provide for a tribunal to uh, determine uh, when there is a new policy that is brought into place. Uh, For example, if we had had it in place when the carbon tax was introduced, uh, this tribunal would uh, make uh, some assessments as to what the economic impact or the economic harm of that policy will be to Saskatchewan industry and Saskatchewan people. Nobody has done that on these environmental policies that have been brought in by the the, the federal government over the course of the last few years. Um, we will now be doing that in Saskatchewan, and two. Uh, what what the Saskatchewan First Act does is provide uh, for a reaffirming of the constitutional right that the province the provinces has and in this case the province of Saskatchewan has uh, to develop and grow our, our natural resource industry. So two things that it does: it's uh, a shield, it's not a sword, and it has uh, and and it and is really reconfirming what is already in the constitution, uh, making it entirely constitutional, and in no way is about Saskatchewan seceding uh, or moving um, you know out of the nation of Canada or out of the confederation in fact uh, we believe that a, a strong growing and healthy uh, saskatchewan actually contributes to a, to a strong growing and
0: healthy nation of canada how it, how does it differ from what we've heard about alberta's sovereignty act well there's there's a you know a,
1: a few differences uh, one i i i and i i think there's a few changes that have been made uh, to the to the alberta act uh, but a few differences in uh, for example who would be, I think the Alberta Act is more about whether or not they're going to actually follow federal legislation. Um, what we are putting in place is that the federal legislation actually has to follow the constitution. Um, and and so the, it's a reverse onus, if you will, in Saskatchewan, as opposed to not following uh, what uh, the federal government might you know, implement in a a, a piece of legislation. What we're saying is uh, the the federal legislation actually has to be proved constitutional before it applies in the province of Saskatchewan.
0: There was a bill passed a few years ago, bill C 69. Um, It was dubbed by many the no more pipelines act. Uh, But we're finding out that it goes way, way beyond pipelines. Um, This is the environmental impact assessment uh, situation. Uh, it is being used by the federal government to try and micromanage even housing in Ontario. They have They have put forward that they may dis, uh, come in and, and try and stop housing from being built on certain lands. Um, they've talked about blocking highways and other infrastructure. Do you think that the federal government is trying to use environmental legislation to take over? areas of provincial and even municipal um planning yes well that's yes, a good, that's a short answer how is it how's that manifesting in saskatchewan beyond uh, not, beyond pipelines
1: not yeah not very good that this is where the, this is where the frustration comes into play and yes uh, bill c69 is you know is dubbed the no more pipelines bill but it has impact on on uh, municipal development residential development it has impact on on uh, industrial development as well. Uh, we, we are dealing with uh, Bill C-69, for example, on a, uh, a natural gas-fired facility uh, to generate power that we're building uh, in the province of Saskatchewan today, walking through uh, you know, all that uh, Bill C-69 uh, has. Uh, that, that gas facility is there to provide our baseload power for the 700, to back up the 700 megawatts of renewable power that we're also building at the very same time. And so a bill C-69, is, is, it's one, that quite frankly, uh, that needs to go. Uh, so are they trying to stop the natural gas plant from being built? Um, th- no, I, I don't think that's the intent. I think the clean electricity standard is going to try to do that uh, by 2035. Um, uh, so there is there is uh, legislation that will be in place to do just that. But I don't think Bill C-69 is doing that. How How can they try and stop electricity generation? Uh, uh, Bill, uh, the the clean electricity standard. Uh, some of the discussion around uh, what that will look like will actually be to prevent, uh, to ban uh, fossil fuel uh, electricity generation by the year twenty thirty five. So, you know, what does that mean to to people that live in Saskatoon who get all of their power from the Queen Elizabeth uh, or Queen Queen Elizabeth or Queen Charlotte uh, the 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 natural gas power station uh, here in Saskatoon is. Uh, January 1st 2036 pretty cold day in Saskatoon inside or outside of your house and so it, it's just uh, an unrealistic uh, um, an unrealistic uh, piece of, uh, of policy like Bill C69 is also an unrealistic uh, piece of, of policy as it is using environmental policy to really hinder uh, the development of natural resources uh, both in Alberta, Saskatchewan and I would see, dare say even in, in other areas of, of Canada as well as it goes far beyond the energy industry.
0: Before I moved to Quebec and worked there for a couple of years covering politics, I was always thinking, "Why is Quebec always fighting the federal government?" Quebec, uh, they're they're just whining. They let the federal government do what they want. And then I moved to Quebec, and you start understanding the fight. And it's often the federal government. Back in the uh, the late '90s, early 2000s, the federal government was meddling in all kinds of provincial jurisdictions. That's what they seem to be doing here as well. And Is that what drives a lot of what we started the discussion about? People feeling uh, upset with central Canada because the federal government is trying to tell you what's best for Sask. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't even know if it's, it'll be labeled
1: sometimes as central Canada. I, I think it's more targeted towards uh, the federal government and, and uh, some of the policies that are stymieing our growth, uh, to, to put it uh, very bluntly. And, um, you know, it's funny you mentioned Quebec, who has had a, <laughs> uh, you know, a very tumultuous relationship with the uh, with the federal government up to, and including not even uh, signing the, the constitution that we all, um, you know, reference and we've referenced in, and reaffirmed in the Saskatchewan First Act. But if you remember back, Brian, in 1995, we five, we're talking about this uh, just uh, prior to you uh, coming on, 1995 was, I believe that was the year that Quebec actually had the referendum. Yeah. And, and, you know, so here's a skill testing question for you. And I, I I, don't know if there's more than this, but there's at least two provinces that actually actively looked at, at separation in and around that time in 1995. Obviously, one was Quebec. Uh, do, do you have any idea who the second was? I uh, believe it was uh, Saskatchewan. It was Saskatchewan, and uh, you can uh, note it was uh, brought forward in a, in a book written by uh, Chantelle Bear shortly after that called The Morning After the Quebec Referendum and the Day That Al- Almost Was. But it was Roy Romano uh, of the day who had actually put together a, a, a special task force, a secret task force. Uh, it was under, in in government terms, it was hidden under the, the title of constitutional contingencies. So looking at what should Saskatchewan do if there is a, a separation, a vote to separate in in Quebec. And there was really three things that this uh, committee was was looked asked to look into. And uh, the first was for Saskatchewan should Saskatchewan then separate from Canada. The second was should Saskatchewan join with Alberta and British Columbia and leave Canada as a, as a, as a block? And the third contingency was uh, should Saskatchewan actually look at seceding and being part of the United States of America. And so uh, it was around that time of the Quebec referendum that it was actually Roy Romano, uh, an NDP uh, premier in Saskatchewan, that had put together a a constitutional contingency secret committee to look at what should Saskatchewan's response be uh, should Quebec leave the nation of Canada. And so there's just a little tidbit of history that uh, I, I don't think everyone is aware of. We're not looking at leaving uh, Canada today. However, we are looking at being a, a strong, uh, vibrant, autonomous province within the nation of Canada, and we believe uh, that will allow Saskatchewan to grow and prosper and contribute uh, to a stronger and more prosperous nation.
0: Do you think um, Canadians across the board need to know more about their constitution and who's in charge of what, or does that just make eyes glaze over for people that aren't political geeks like you and I?
1: Yeah, I, I think the latter. I I don't know that Canadians need to, um, you know, we live in, we're so fortunate to live in a democracy that we do, um, where we, we we don't have some of the challenges that we're seeing in Eastern Europe, for example, or other areas of, of the world. And uh, when one of the luxuries of living in a, you know, a settled, uh, fairly um, stable regulatory environment uh, like, like Canada is you don't have to uh, you know keep up to date on on what's happening politically and how that might impact you uh, personally each and every day of your life that being said um, we do need to engage in who I think should uh, be much more careful on on intruding uh essentially on on the on the on the spirit and the wording of the constitution is is the current federal administration they their uh, efforts um, using environmental policies like bill c69 to really uh, impede on on areas of provincial jurisdiction Stephen Harper didn't do this John Creshen didn't do this Paul Martin didn't do this prime ministers of all stripes did not do what the federal government is doing today and that is using a federal policy federal environmental policy all too often to really intrude and impede in, in what our provincial areas of jurisdiction laid out uh, quite succinctly in the constitution that's why you're seeing acts like the Saskatchewan First Act that's why you're seeing Alberta come forward with their sovereignty act it's not to leave canada it's to protect uh, the the, uh, the the people and the opportunities that we have in the, indus- the respective industries that we have it's these acts are shields they're not swords the sword is being
0: wielded wielded um, by uh, the fedor- by the federal government unfortunately I mentioned a little while ago uh, you and uh, Premier Ford playing captain candidate at various times. Um, and, and, you know, your role in that was recently trying to bring together the, the provinces uh, and, and, and help shepherd the, the health talks. Um, Premier Ford at various times has is, is worked behind the scenes on others. What's fascinating with this government is, you know, I've covered politics a long time. I've never seen every premier in the country uh, unified on so many issues. You guys were unified in your health talks. You were unified recently on bail reform and you're all unified in opposing bill C 69, even though you come from different parties in different parts of the, the country. I think, I think that speaks to the fact that we've got a, a federal government at odds with provinces.
1: Yes, that, that, that is the case. And, uh, you know, our Council of Federation table has uh, grown closer, I would say, over the course of the last number of years, and, you know, specifically to the health talks, credit to uh, uh, John Horgan, uh, previous Premier of British Columbia, not of my political stripe, and I, I, I tell him that every time I, I see him, <laughs> uh, but we work very closely uh, with John Horgan, where we had, uh, you know, uh, a, an issue that was aligned, and and I think that's what people expect their, their leaders to do, uh, is... We may not agree on everything uh, in this great nation and, and from, you know, vast nation that we have. And we shouldn't expect to agree on everything in the same way as we mentioned earlier our, in our caucus, we don't always agree on everything. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't find points of agreement and it doesn't mean we can't move forward together uh, where those points of agreement are. The, mo- the most recent uh, health discussions, uh, most certainly were one of those points of agreement uh, among uh, all provincial leaders had been, uh, you know, we had had some asks in place for uh, about two years uh, that we finally uh, were able to sit down with the prime minister on. Um the, the you know that's the Canadian way is is to work through your differences, find your points of agreement, and let's 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 move forward on those. And the, the you know the points of disagreement they'll they'll still be there. We can I, I always say we, we, we need to get back to being able to disagree without being disagreeable. And and that's an important thing I think for you know all generations to remember is is just because you disagree with someone or a group doesn't make them bad. It, it means you don't disagree on that point and you, and you shouldn't judge, you know, the person, the group, the movement on, on uh, the fact that you might not agree on, on every point. We as Canadians uh, agree on far more then we disagree on, and I think Christy Clark had mentioned this as well. Is that the very at, at the federal leadership level, you need somebody, and, and here's my prediction: the person that wins the next federal election will be the person that steps forward and says, "This is what Canadians can be proud of. This is important to all Canadians. Yes, we we don't agree on everything, mm-hmm. but this matters to all Canadians, and we should all be proud of it." Uh, this collectively whoever whoever comes up with that uh, i
0: think will be the next prime minister of this nation and uh, and deserves to be i um I, I always hear people arguing and describing those they disagree with politically as evil and i try and remind people no they're not evil they're just wrong and we're all <laughs> canadians in the end right scott yeah. Moth, thanks so much and uh, all the best to you you uh, yours and your province Hey, thanks, Brian, uh, and, and all the
1: best to all your listeners and, uh, and to all of the people, uh, not only in Ontario, but, are, but across
0: this nation of Canada that we, we know and love from coast to coast to coast. This has been a Full Comment podcast. Full Comment is a post-media podcast production. This episode produced by Andre Pru with uh, theme music by Bryce Hall. Kevin Libin is the executive producer. Remember, you can subscribe to Full Comment on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Amazon. app Listen through your app or Alexa-enabled devices and help us out by leaving a review. And make sure you tell your friends about us. I'm Brian Lilly. Thanks for listening.